live stream. I'm here with Shalice and Sola. We had such a cool time recording Shalice's episode, Cults, Consciousness, and Mormonism. That is available right here on YouTube. But we had such a fun time uh, that we realized after the fact there was so much more we had to talk about. Uh, and we wanted to answer y'all's questions as well. So here we are doing this live stream. Shalice from Cults to Consciousness, how are you this morning? I'm so great, Davey. Thank you. Thanks for having me back. Yes, oh. we could talk for hours and hours, and I could go on for hours and hours about Mormonism. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I later looked at the file, and I was like, oh my gosh, I talked the entire time. It was just like, you barely got a word in. So <laughs> here we are. I'm here to give you another chance to talk. <laughs> no, no, listen. People love listening to you way more than they like listening to me. So you talk all you want. This is this is your story. Uh, oh, we thanks. will be answering questions uh, from the episode live chat last night. We'll be answering your questions in the comments today. Uh, as always, super chats are welcome. Not required, of course, but we do appreciate them. And sending your questions with a super chat will get a guaranteed response. Um, before we get into some of the questions that came through last night, there were a couple things that that I wanted to talk about right away, Shalice, because we didn't get a, a chance to talk about them on the episode. And one of those topics is soaking and earthquaking. Um, <laughs> we 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 talked a little bit about it during the episode that you and I did on the IBLP cult, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it yesterday. And this is something yeah. that I'm so incredibly interested in, and I wanted to hear kind of if you had any experience with soaking or, <laughs> and actually let me, let me just kind of level set here. So to explain soaking in, um, I guess, polite terms, Go ahead. Uh, it's, it's where the, the guy can put it in the girl. And as long as he doesn't move, it doesn't thrust. count, right? Yeah. <laughs> there is no thrusting, no pumping, <laughs> just, <laughs> just soaking. <laughs> just the soaking that's right yeah just so soaking. that is what that is what soaking is and it's yeah it's the weirdest loophole in mormon purity culture because as as we both know i i grew up in christian purity culture you grew up in mormon purity culture mm -hmm. uh and and so you know there was absolutely no uh sex before marriage that was completely off the table we were supposed to save our first kiss for marriage. I don't think y'all were quite That's that strict. wild. Crazy, yeah. crazy, crazy, crazy. But some Mormons used this soaking loophole um, to, to get some experience in before, uh, before they actually got married. Um, and I okay. don't know how common it is, though. <laughs> okay, so I have a lot of explaining to do. The first being people who soak know full well that they're breaking the rules. Like they know that it's wrong. They know that it's way past the boundary of what you could get in trouble for. Like you can get in trouble for someone just touching you even with your clothes on. So they 100% know that this is wrong. Now what happens in Mormonism and other high control groups, especially that have this extreme purity culture is that you create levels in your head. You go, okay, well, touching over the clothes is not as bad as touching under the clothes. And maybe naked cuddling isn't as bad as actually having sex. And maybe if we just touch genitals, then that's obviously okay. And they just kind of slowly, progressively 
get more and more extreme to where they're like, well, if he puts it in and doesn't thrust, do I have to tell the bishop I had sex or could right. I just say that we touched genitals? You know what I mean? So they know that it's wrong. Yes, they would get in trouble if they went to a bishop and confessed. And yes, the bishop would be like, you're getting the same punishment as if you had sex. But what happens is when you're so bottled up and you are just so horny and you just want this person so bad, first of all, it makes it worse. Like, trust me, I've been there where you're just like, oh, I want it <laughs> instead of just like <laughs> allowing yourself any sort of biological freedom. But it, it creates these distorted thoughts and these mental gymnastics that could win an Olympic medal. It's just, it, people just do it. And so to answer your question, I never soaked. I didn't know that okay. was a thing. However, since publishing an episode talking about soaking, and we'll get into earthquaking next if you yeah. like, but since I published an episode talking all about it, I had people direct message me and say, yep, I did that. Mm -hmm. Yep, my roommate did that. And I will say it may be more common in Utah, not necessarily Mormonism outside of that state, because in Utah, everyone is pent up because almost everyone is Mormon. And so it's a lot more common to kind of like get your friends to break the rules and bend the rules a little bit. Right. Um, some people would say that Utah is more strict than other places. I would have to disagree having lived in a few different states, at least in the town that I grew up in people were more relaxed because everyone already knew the rules and it's like, well, she wore a tank top. Is it that big of a deal? But when you move out of state, they tell you explicitly, you are an example and you have to lead by example. And you're one Mormon out of 50 students in a classroom, for example. So you have to be the one to show them what it really looks like to be Mormon. And so you kind of have more pressure to follow every rule very, very particularly. So, yeah, in Utah, things get a little skewampus. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've also heard that it's a huge deal at BYU. Like yeah. The, the, so the Mormons that I've talked to, everyone that's gone to BYU knows exactly what soaking and earthquaking is. Yeah, and and so that's a Provo thing. Def it's definitely. Like the, the mecca of Mormonism in Utah is Provo, where it's like 80% of the population is Mormon, whereas in other parts of the state, it may be closer to 50 or 40 yeah, well, and I think it's probably also the mecca for soaking uh, in Provo. Oh, well, yeah, uh, I think yeah, <laughs> that's the problem. For <laughs> but so, do you want to talk about earthquaking? I do, but what I one of the things that I wanted to mention, and this this has been such an interesting like little experiment for me, right? Like, I thought soaking was so funny. I started talking about it in my stand up comedy. So when yeah. I do shows, um, I, I talk about Mormon soaking and I talk about earthquaking as well. And every single time I've talked about it, there is at least one person in the audience that knows exactly what I'm talking about. And because sometimes it's not even it Mormons. It took the world by storm. Yeah. It, it got on the news. It went viral on TikTok. It made it to like mainstream news sources. And now everyone knows what it is. And Mormons are pissed because they're <laughs> like, we don't do that. That's not we a thing, do guys. Yeah, that's not a thing. Which I get because, again, I do think it is pretty isolated to Utah. And now everyone and their dog thinks thinks that every Mormon soaks. And that's not true at all. Yeah. But it is a thing. It's a thing, but it's not common. I'll just say that among like the 16 million Mormons out there. It's not right. as common as people think. 
Well, apparently Joe Rogan talked about it on his podcast. Yeah, that, uh, that'll do it. <laughs> there's there's an Instagram account, account called BYU Virgins. I don't know if you've run across this yet, Shalise. No, but I've heard you talk about it in your stand-up, and I was like, I need to go check this out. It is absolutely hilarious. It's yeah. so funny. Okay, so that's soaking and earthquaking. I call it the phone-a-friend option for soaking. <laughs> Right. Like you can call in and assist while you're soaking and have one of your friends essentially uh, shake or earthquake the bed during the soaking process, which blows my mind. So this is also something that everyone just I mean, I did a short about this and everyone went to town in the comments are like, that's not a thing. That's not a thing. Again, I got direct messages from people mm -hmm. saying my roommates did this. So Earthquaking is even more isolated, I would say, to BYU <laughs> because usually it takes a bunk bed for this to be possible. Like no one right. is slithering under somebody's bed. So when you have a bunk bed and you have the couple on top, you can have the person that's, I don't know, maybe they're just bored and kicking the bottom of the bed and reading a book or something sure, to create yeah. the movement because they are just desperate to have this <laughs> sensation, which guys, I understand. It's so ridiculous. I get what? it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny to picture this yeah right? like you've just got a, a guy and a girl just laying there and someone underneath the bed just kicking the hell out of it trying to simulate the stroke <laughs> but you know what Davey have you ever considered how that might be a turn-on for like us regular people because it is like edging to the max yeah it is the ultimate tease like yeah. I I don't know. I feel like there might be something to it. There might be something to it. It's not sex, obviously, like it, as far as the feelings of sex. But right. I don't know. It could be some kinky pleasure that people will get off on. We don't want to knock it till we try it. <laughs> Listen, you know what's really funny? I was talking to another uh, comedian friend of mine, and he told he told me a story about how this this lady that he had a relationship with. Um, when they first started seeing one another, she would only let him soak and she wasn't Mormon. He's not Mormon, but that is, that was her rule initially when they first got together was you can only soak and she didn't call it soaking. She just told him, this is what you can, you can put it inside, but you can't move at all. And right. then when I brought up soaking and explained it. He came up to me after the show and was like, dude, I had a lady that that's all she would let me do for like the first two months that we dated. And I was just like, wow. So there's actually people out here using these techniques that aren't even Mormon. So you might be onto something there, Shalise. This this might be the next the next <laughs> big thing, you know? Maybe the next the next porn category. So <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um one of the uh one of the things that I thought was really funny. Uh actually, you know what? Let me uh let me answer a couple questions and then uh okay. we'll we'll get to one of the other uh, topics that came up during the uh, the live chat last night. Um, so this is a question from, I think this is pronounced Amber. Uh, are boys punished the same way as girls and do the girls get punished worse in Mormonism? So that's a yeah. big thing in fundamental Christian uh, or Christianity. I would say that there is more of a, uh, there, there's, there's more strict requirements for females um, in these types of high demand groups. Yeah, and that's a tricky one. And while there are some general guidelines for the punishments, it really ultimately depends on the bishop that you end up confessing to, mm. because some are more lenient than others. And I would say 
men get more pounded on that's probably the worst word to use for <laughs> masturbation oh, okay. <laughs> because sorry it just came out and i rolled with it um because i would say growing up as a female in the mormon church i didn't even understand that women could masturbate i didn't know that was a mm, thing because okay. they never talk about it there's literally a talk dedicated to young men called the little factory and if you want to be disgusted please guys go google it and watch it it is this general authority he may even be a prophet i can't remember talking about how all boys have a little factory in their penis and once you get that factory going it's gonna have to produce more and more and more and you're gonna have to release the valve every whatever but if you don't touch it then the little what? factory won't get kick-started and keep going basically like never touch your penis and it'll never go off it's like what? it will go off like have you heard of what dreams so, yeah, so, well, yeah, yeah okay so they highly and heavily focus on masturbation for boys and that's probably the number one thing if you talk to any guy who was raised mormon that was probably their biggest thing if they were really following all of the rules was the guilt and the shame around masturbation huh. um because we know it's so normal and natural it's going to happen and so they will hold men back from their missions if they have a masturbation problem meaning they did it like once a month or something so oh, wow. that's a big right one out. for men yeah and then when it comes to the women i yeah i wouldn't say the punishments are harsher but it's kind of like women you should know better the mm. men look to you to make sure that you're keeping them on the right track so there's a lot more shame in it i think right. but again that's just my personal experience as a woman growing up in the church just like um the we, we didn't get to it in the episode recently but the whole reason that I left was because of this catalyst, which was my bishop just shaming me into the floor. Like I left there crying my eyes out, thinking I was the worst person on the planet for giving my boyfriend a blowjob. And he told me, I don't think you're a good influence on him. I think that you should break up. He blamed me, even though it was my boyfriend's idea. And he was like, come on, it'll be fun. And I'm like, oh, are you sure? Yeah, please. Okay, fine. And then right after he's like, oh, we should go talk to the bishop. And I was like... Oh, really? That, that post not clarity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I was heavily blamed for that. Wow. And I was told I wasn't spiritual enough. I needed to reevaluate my entire life because clearly I was doing something wrong and so unnatural and it's nowhere in the Bible. So Shalise, what were you even thinking? And I was like, but if I was married, it would be fine. And he's like, yeah. And that's when I was like, no, 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 no. Like, none of this makes sense. This is crazy. And I was so pissed and I was at my lowest point. And that's when I started doing all my research with an open mind, ready mm. to actually see what Mormonism was all about. It's dark, dark dirty secrets. Yeah. And once I found out that it was fake, I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to deal with this anymore. I'm out. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. My boyfriend without Thanks. guilt. Yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, oh, that's yeah, crazy that, that was the catalyst that was, for it. <laughs> oh, no. After that, I was like, bye. Like, I'm not. Oh, yeah. For for turning him on you to like that what a turn on me because he actually did break up with me for like a hot second we got back together and then i think when i was deconstructing the church and i was like this doesn't make any sense and you know what's even crazier so i'm sure you can relate to this and other christian fundamentalist people when we broke up he admitted to me like a year later 
that his goal he's like i know you had a lot of goals and dreams like move to los angeles and become a movie star and all these things but i just wanted to marry you and turn you into a housewife oh of course yeah i was like what Mm -hmm. so deceptive so dodgeable there and that's that's what these you know fundamentalist type religions are are always advocating right is this kind of patriarchal misogynistic approach to raising Mm -hmm. families um so i I'd, absolutely i've I've seen that happen in the cult that i grew up in there was this emphasis on the purity culture as well and it always seemed like uh the girls were under more scrutiny there was a mm-hmm. higher standard for women especially in terms of of modesty right i think that was probably the the biggest thing that that women dealt with in in my cult and modesty i think it's probably freaking drag mm-hmm. well we talked a little bit about uh, about you know the the garments and the swimsuits and and one of the questions that came up was did y'all have to wear uh modest swimsuits or were bikinis allowed or or was that kind of a uh you know well personal experience (laughs) let me tell you (laughs) okay here we go so one pieces or tankinis is the only acceptable route if you wear a bikini that's like your badge of rebellion Mm. And I will say, I will say girls my age, I've seen it all over, you know, their, their little family vacations. They already have multiple kids, like three, four kids, which that's great. Good for you. I don't, I (laughs) I took more time. So when you see them in bikinis, it's kind of like, oh, are they kind of questioning or are they just wanting to be cute on their vacation? But it's still very much a sign of rebellion. Mm. Even if they claim to be like super, super Mormon, it probably just means they're a little bit more lax on the rules. So when I was 13, we went to Young Women's Camp, which is kind of like Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, where all the girls from all over the state come together for one single camp. And it's very, very church based. I mean, you guys know, I don't have to tell you, church camp. So one of these it's utah it's beautiful outdoors you know riding horses going on hikes doing archery and there's a a lake and we would swim at the lake so i came with my tankini and it had about like half an inch of my stomach showing okay and i got down to the dock i was so excited oh it was hot and i was ready to jump in remember it's all women here. So no they, boys at all at this camp. No, 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 no. Only women and a couple of the old dudes because weird rule that women can't do anything without a male chaperone. So the old guys are the only ones that are there that are men. So they storm up to me and they grab my arm and they're like, what are you thinking wearing this swimsuit? It is inappropriate, it is immodest, and you need to go change. And I was like, I don't have another swimming suit. This is probably the only tankini I own, to be honest, (laughs) because I was very much the one that's like, mom, please, it's a bikini, just let me do it. And she would be like, sure, whatever. But I, I didn't have anything to change into, so they grabbed one of the camp shirts like size triple XL and shoved that on me. And now I'm trying to swim with this huge t-shirt weighing me down. I'm like, this is dangerous and ridiculous. And who am I trying to be modest for? I felt so ashamed because everybody knew that I was doing something wrong because I had this big shame shirt on. And 
oh man, I just felt like the worst person. And I also felt like I got scrutinized a lot more. And I don't know, this isn't to toot my own horn or anything. I was semi-popular in school and they would always harp down on me for the stupidest things. Meanwhile, you would have other kids that were dressed more inappropriately than me that they would never say anything to. So a lot of my childhood was so much shame and getting beat down for just showing my body also like your girl's got a booty okay and (laughs) and i swear like some clothes were just tighter and some like Mm -hmm. i got sent to the principal's office once i think i was in seventh grade so young right like why are we over sexualizing Mm -hmm. children's bodies first of all i think i was 12 when they sent me to the office i was wearing a skirt and it was the rule where if you put your arms down because guys all of these modesty rules translate into the school system in utah the public school system right so i would put my arms down and if your fingertips uh are longer than your skirt or your short or whatever, then you have to change. So it was like right at the fingertips and I'm kind of shrugging my shoulders just a little bit (laughs) and it's a skirt. So it's shorts. It's not like a little mini skirt. And so I get sent to the office and she like makes me do a little spin, which also I'm like, why are you checking me out? Uh, We all, (laughs) yeah, it was kind of awkward. We all thought that she might be a lesbian, which is fine too, course, but also yeah. very uncomfortable when mm-hmm. you feel like you are getting sized up by this woman. And um, so she spins me around and then she was like, I can see your underwear lines. And I'm like, why are you looking at my underwear lines? Like what? I didn't know. I wasn't looking back there to see what was going on. Like it was just constant, 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 constant growing up in Mormonism. So when I went to Portland for my senior year, I remember mm-hmm. sitting down with the um, the principal right before school. It was like, welcome, blah, 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 here's your stuff. I'm like, okay, so do you guys have a dress code? And he looked at me like I asked if they had a unicorn equestrian team. <laughs> and I was like looking at my mom and she's looking at me like, fair question, you know? And he was like, just wear whatever you're comfortable with. And I was like, I lost my mind. I was like, I don't have to do the fingertip rule. (laughs) I was just beside myself and I got home and I was like, mom, can you believe that? And she's like, well, that's, that's great. You know? And the first day I walked out with a tank top on and I looked at my mom and she looked at me and she was like, you're going to wear that to school. And I was like, yeah. And she was like, okay, if that's what you feel comfortable in. I was like, so, and just a tank top, (laughs) a a tank top. So like, just like this and that was like the moment where i tested the waters to be like is my mom gonna be cool with this because i will say my mom is amazing she was never the crazy staunch mormon that some of my friends grew up with she was the cool mom like she encouraged you to do the right thing well you had a tankini for god's sakes i mean she had to be a cool mom (laughs) but ultimately she was very okay with me making my own decisions but the thing is like i was so wrapped up in the manipulation and control and coercion that I did the right thing anyway, the right thing anyway, Mm -hmm. because, you know, I did. But anyway, it was a whole thing. And then I just realized the culture shift when we talk about Utah versus other places, girls were wearing shorts and it was fine. And no one was a slut. 
Like right. maybe someone was sexually active, but they were on birth control and they were being safe. And it was just a totally different environment. No teen pregnancies. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized when you grip something so tight, people will do anything to squirm away. Right. But if you just loosely give them guidelines, education, boundaries, they won't feel the need to go the complete opposite direction. So that was a really long rant about swimming suits, but I felt like it was important. <laughs> I think it's absolutely important because it highlights how um, damaging this stuff can be, right? When you've got these crazy rules in place that really don't make any sense anyways. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, it's just, it's just a way to control. That, that's really all it boils down to is a way to control and keep people in line. And um, that's what these, these types of religions do. Uh, because it was the yeah. exact same in the cult that I grew up in. I remember my my mom and my sister having an argument that my sister wanted to tuck her shirt in to the skirt that she was wearing, but that was considered immodest in our cult because it it looked more form fitting when you tucked in the shirt. So she had to leave it untucked. Meanwhile, oh wow, I had to tuck my shirt in. even if I was wearing shorts. I had to tuck my shirt in. <laughs> Didn't matter if it was a polo, a t shirt. A button down see that. shirt was always tucked in. <laughs> it was so embarrassing, Shalise. I remember oh. I remember going to Six Flags with my family, and I was so proud of the outfit that I had put together. It was all Adidas, everything. I had the yeah. hat, I had the shirt, I had the slides. I was so pumped on this outfit. I was like, finally, I can show my true self. <laughs> uh -huh. And I walk out ready to go, and my shirt's untucked, and my parents, uh, my dad goes, shirt, you got to tuck that in. I was like, Dad, I'm wearing shorts. It's a t-shirt. If I tuck it like in, like basketball it was like, shorts. No, they were cargo shorts because that's what okay. was popular back then. Yeah, yeah, the cargo, <laughs> the shorts. cargo shorts. Abercrombie and Fitch cargo shorts. Got actually, uh -huh. they, were, they definitely were not Abercrombie and Fitch because I wasn't even allowed to go in that store. wasn't even allowed oh, to look at it. No. Yeah. Um, and so I had to go to Six Flags with my t-shirt tucked into my shirt, uh, tucked into my shorts. <laughs> And it was just an absolute embarrassment. I oh my gosh, so I'm so sorry. The entire time, yeah. But it's just it's these ridiculous rules. I did want there. Oh, so there was something that came at came up during the uh, during the live chat uh, in the episode last night about garments. And Candace is here, and I think she's the one that brought it up. But before I got to that, I wanted to uh, to highlight uh, Kara's question really quick. How do you deal with the shadow of worthiness, which I've never heard of? And what resources would you mm. recommend for overcoming the guilt associated with worthiness and purity culture? Yeah, that's a really great question. How do you deal with the shadow of worthiness? Honestly, it's something that takes years and years and years and years to come out from the bottom of because that stuff sticks with you. Mm. When you are told your whole life that you are unworthy because of something you've done or because in some cases, in some religions, man, the natural man is an enemy to God. Like you are just born unworthy and it takes a long time to gain that self-confidence and that self-assurance that you're okay, just being you, that you are worthy. I think I even wrote a whole blog post about it because <clears throat> it's just so damaging when you tell children, especially that they're not okay. Right. They, they need to change. They need to be better. Like it's fine to self-improve, but when you're telling them they're wrong because of the way that they are, especially when it comes to sex, sex is not wrong. Sex is beautiful. Can it be used and manipulated in wrong ways? Sure. Anything can, but inherently it's not wrong. And that's something that I've spent years working on. So when it comes to resources, 
There is a really awesome marriage and family therapist. I think I mentioned her with like when we were talking about the porn epidemic in Utah. Her name is Natasha Helfer and she's on Instagram. Maybe I'll put it in the chat or something um, or I'll have you put it in the description. But yeah. she was the one who was excommunicated for trying to teach about masturbation and mm. the correct principles around it. And she was excommunicated because she said, if I were to lie about masturbation and how it's normal or normative is the word that she uses, she could lose her license. So mm. she wasn't willing to lose her license over a church who was telling the opposite to children. Yeah. So <clears throat> she was excommunicated and now she holds these incredible support groups and she has very specific groups too. So sexual shame is one of them, even just religious shame. She holds classes for men specifically who were taught that masturbation was wrong and they were a problem. Um, because also <clears throat> I need to specify that this isn't just for kids. Even when you get married, you're not allowed to masturbate. And if mm. your wife catches you, it could be like, she feels like you're cheating on her. Right, and grounds so, for divorce is what you mentioned during yeah. the during the podcast episode yeah yeah so natasha has these really amazing support groups and i wish i had some other ones that i could throw out there but i can't think of anything right now i would just say that learning your inherent worth learning that you are worthy just because you are you is the first place to start and just being aware of your thoughts and that's why we call it cults to consciousness because mm -hmm. when you are conscious when you are aware when you are present that's when you can really figure out what's going through your mind and you can catch yourself having these thoughts. If you catch yourself saying, oh, do I look a little slutty in this tank top? <laughs> you can say, wait, no, I look amazing. Right. My shoulders do not make me a slut. <laughs> okay, Correct. that's not how it works. Um, in Mormonism, there's a talk that was given that said women who walk around with their bare shoulders and bare knees are walking pornography. So... Now we laugh and say, like, do you like my porn shoulders? <laughs> Be it's ridiculous, guys. Like, it's so ridiculous. So just yeah. being aware of your thoughts, you can flip those thoughts. In fact, this is a perfect example. When I was trying on my wedding dress, I got married four months ago. I went to this insanely amazing designer place, Gali Lahav. I wasn't going to buy anything there because it was too expensive. But as a fashion designer, I can really, really appreciate in a customer the the beating and the intricacy and everything. So I come out in this dress and I look in the mirror and I'm just like, holy shit, this is amazing. And then my first thought was, who do you think you are to wear something so beautiful? Mm. And I heard myself say that as I'm looking in the mirror, just like I arguably the most beautiful I've ever looked. Mm. And that was the unworthiness right. like you think you could wear a dress like that and it was a tank top so it was like a spaghetti strap really low cut but it had this beautiful mesh and these beads um tight waist tight on my hips you know embracing my my womanly figure and once i caught myself having that thought i immediately countered it with of course you are beautiful enough to wear this of course you are worthy enough to wear this dress. You look incredible. Guess what? I bought it. Oh, you did buy <laughs> I bought it. It was too expensive, but you know what? I looked freaking bomb on my wedding day. You so I, was I don't say, even you, care. Theoretically, you only get married once. So, you know, ideally, right? 
That's right. Yeah, that's my plan. Uh, so yeah, awesome. you can go look at my channel. It's one of the thumbnails. You'll see me in the dress. But it that was a moment. And I have been out of the church for 12 years. Mm -hmm. So it's just constant. And you have to just monitor yourself and give yourself grace and love. And I think that's the biggest thing, too, is just giving yourself love, giving that inner child love. The person who wasn't given that love and compassion, you have to do that yourself right. and nurture that inner child. I think the other thing to recognize is that when you when you grow up in these these cults or these religions or, or, or whatever it is, right, they're intentionally programming you. And you also have to intentionally deprogram. Yeah. So the mm -hmm. stuff that you're talking about, it's it's all part of intentionally deprogramming yourself, rewiring your brain. And it takes it takes a long time sometimes. Yeah. You know, for me it's it's been a lifelong journey. Um, so yeah, I think the other piece there is giving yourself grace, being patient with yourself and and recognizing that you're right where you need to be. Uh mm -hmm. and just just keep uh just keep progressing. Um Yeah. Oh, that was heavy. So now I'm going to go back to something anyway. kind of funny. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm gonna go back to something a little more lighthearted here. Um, and y'all, please feel free to submit your questions in the chat. There was, um, there was something that came up uh, last night, and I think it was Candace that talked about it uh, during the live chat for the episode last night, and it just creeped me out. Immediately creeped me out. Um, and that was she mentioned that it made her so uncomfortable when she would go to her Mormon friends' houses. And their parents would wear just their garments around the house. <laughs> Which their is garments? So that's just so awkward to me. Right, because uh, it's I mean, like someone walking around in their underwear. Yeah, kind of. But yeah. I mean, these weren't really, un it's not like walking around in just your boxers or a bra on your panties, right? Like these were obviously. No, but it kind of is. It, it kind it of is. is like that. And from what I understand, they're kind of a little see-through too. Right. So that's what I was going to say. So. Yes, they are full coverage t-shirts and biker shorts, but the garments that my parents wore when I was a kid were really thin cotton. Like You yeah. could see through them. I remember feeling really uncomfortable seeing my dad walking around with just his garments because I was like, bruh, can you not? <laughs> like, clearly he had no boundaries. That's a story for another day. But uh. yeah, my mom, she wouldn't so much. And also she would usually have her bra on. So you couldn't really see through anything. My mom was more, <laughs> I don't know, put together is not the right word. She just wouldn't have done that if my friends were around. Like she mm. would be mortified if someone saw her in her garments. But that's not to say it doesn't happen because also it was really common for guys if they have shorts on to just walk around with their garment top because that's kind of the equivalent of walking around without a shirt on. Sure. <laughs> so... So that did happen. And yeah, that's how I knew what garments looked like was because of my parents. So I, I just can't imagine walking into like, especially like back when I was in high school or something, walking into a friend's house and their parents are just walking around in these weird little flimsy onesies that ugh, it just yeah. seems so creepy. But apparently that's part of the culture. That's something that happens frequently, especially in Utah, because I think Candace was referring specifically to Utah. And it might not have been Candace. It, it, it might have been someone else. But yeah, I, I just that just creeped me out immediately. Um, and <laughs> immediately. I, I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if those kind of boundary issues were were common in Utah, like kind of like yeah. what you were talking about, Shalise. 
Yeah. So when everyone knows what garments look like, it's not a huge surprise if you see someone in them. So I think that's where those lines kind of get blurred and everyone's like, oh, you've seen garments like, you know, I call them the Garmies. Um, But in other states, it would probably be more like you cover up because also garments are a very sacred thing. And Mm -hmm. we talked about that. Most people don't even really want to explain what they are, the significance, and they have special symbols. So for someone to expose them, they would have to be really, really comfortable with themselves, with their spirituality, with their Mormonhood to be walking around just completely bearing everything. Right. That's just yeah. very strange. And, and, and you're hundred percent right about, you know, and I, I, I talked about that a little bit on the episode as well, that there's a lot of Mormons that aren't talk- comfortable talking about it at all. Even, I, I mean, even ex Mormons. Well, like one of my good, good buddies, he's an ex Mormon. Um, he's, he's now an atheist still won't talk about the garments at all interesting yeah doesn't feel comfortable um i i don't know what that is for him like why that's such an uncomfortable subject for him he he's never really explained it to me but when i asked him specifically about the garments he was just like "I, i i really can't talk about that it's because i can tell you why at least i can speculate it's because when you get them in the temple it's such a secret ceremony And to give you more context, before 1990, it was (laughs) so gross. There was a ceremony ritual part where you said you covenanted that if you spilled the secrets of what goes on in the temple, you do this motion, you would slit your own throat and cut out your bowels before you would tell what goes on in the temple. So that stuff cuts deep right when you make that sort of promise and you think that you're covenanting it with god when you leave you're still kind of like i don't know if i should say anything like what if it's true what if it's true and i just made Mm -hmm. a mistake it's better for me to go to the grave with it than to tell everybody what's going on and then i'm really screwed yeah so there's a really really deep-rooted fear there and the same goes with garments because the garments are part of that ceremony mm-hmm. and part of the the secret stuff that no one is supposed to know about yeah that 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 actually does make perfect sense because even even though you know you separate from the religion when you take those kinds of oaths right and especially mm-hmm. saying when you're gonna slit your own throat my god um yeah that could that could certainly uh stick with you <laughs> And you never ever want to talk about it, even if you don't believe in any of it anymore. Um, It's still such a a serious matter, I guess. It Um, took a long time for me to even be like, wait, is it true? Wait, am I making a mistake? Probably a few years before I was finally able to be like, relax. It's just this random guy that wanted to have sex with a bunch of women. He made up a religion. You're good. (laughs) Like it took a while and I didn't even go through the temple. So I totally get it. And yeah, when people are like, Mormonism's not a cult. I'm like, have you seen the temple? Get back to me on that. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of the temple, um, someone, and, and it might've been Candace again, confirmed in the chat last night. We, and we talked about this on the episode. We thought there might be exceptions for people going to the temple. And, and this may be, you know, this may be exclusive to some temples. Maybe there's maybe like the temple here. There's a temple here in San Antonio, Texas, where I live, right? Beautiful, beautiful temple. And maybe outsiders are allowed to go to that temple for like weddings or special, you know, circumstances or whatever. Uh, right. But, but I think Candace was saying it's not allowed at all. For no. The temple that she's familiar with. 
So let me specify what I was saying when I said I think they changed the rules a little bit. It's the rule before was, and I, I hope I get this right. So the rule before is no one can go in the temple unless you're worthy. You have to have that golden ticket. Mm -hmm. um, but now they are letting you have a civil marriage outside of the temple so everyone can be there and then gotcha. you go to the temple. So your parents gotcha. can still come to the wedding, but they can't come to the temple. They, so okay. the only time a regular person can go into the temple is before it's dedicated. So they just built it and they're like, hey, civilians, come in and see what's going on. And you can walk the halls and they give you a tour and then they kick you out. They say a prayer and then no one else can go in unless you have the ticket. Got it. Okay. That, that actually, that was just my misunderstanding. So that makes sense then. Um, you know, what's so funny about that too, Shalise is there is a show and I think it's on, I think it's on prime video and it's called the expanse and in it's, mm -hmm. it's a sci-fi series. And as part of this show there, there's a group of Mormons that build a space station called Nauvoo, which was Nauvoo. The uh -huh, <laughs> which is the town that Joseph Smith found it. So, I mean, even, even this temple stuff, this Mormon culture has made its way into super popular sci-fi series that are very modern and, you know, new, but the big space station that they build, it's, it's like, it's basically a, a, a space temple and the angel Gabriel up on top of it on the, on the spiky thing or, or whatever. That it is, is hilarious. Yeah. The tr <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's so interesting. To me. And the temples are beautiful. I, yeah. I mean, they're just absolutely incredible, but, um, you know, it's interesting that they're they're so secretive with that stuff. Doesn't matter what the, I guess, um, circumstances are. You cannot, as an outsider, you would not be allowed inside the temple after it's dedicated. Yep, exactly. What and they we... would say, Davey, it's not secret, it's sacred. <laughs> of course, of course, yeah. Which is a, a really convenient excuse. What What if you're like a, like the president of the United States? I mean, no. would, would someone like that be allowed in there? No, I highly doubt it. That would be blasphemy huh. to the highest level. The, you you have to be a baptized member and you have to be in good standing, which means you have to be following all the rules. The bishop has to give the okay. You have to be giving 10% of your income. Right. It's a pay to play game. Yeah. And they, they even examine your, your tax returns from what I've heard for that. 10 Sometimes. Tithe. Yeah. Again, it depends on the bishop, but if you haven't been paying tithing at the end of the year, they, they call it, I think a settlement, like a tax settlement or something. Hmm. They recently changed the words, of course, because people were uncomfortable with it, but they will call you into the office and be like, you owe us money <laughs> at the end That's of the so year. Crazy. Yeah. I always dodged those in the singles ward when I was old enough to, act, I mean, old enough, they tell children to pay tithing by the way, just so you know, but when I was on my own in college and I really should have been paying tithing, I would always dodge that. Cause I'm like, I'm just trying to survive out here. Like I'm, I'm, just, being... I'm just trying to pay these bills. Yeah, exactly. right. <laughs> I'm just trying to work at hard rock in my little bikini and keep all the tips. <laughs> oh, you were working at hard rock cafe in a bikini while yes. still going to the Mormon church. My Bishop did not like that. That was one Whoa. of the things he told me during that meeting when I had to confess he was like, well, I know that you work on Sundays, which is also you can't do that. And I was like, it's a requirement of the job. It's the one day of the week that I have to be at Hard Rock. It was rehab. I don't know if you remember. They did that. Yeah. It's like a big day club. Uh -huh. So I worked I... at rehab 
And I remember getting the uniform, which was a little bitty string bikini. And I was like, uh-huh. dang, I look good in this. And I was uh-huh. like, well, it's a uniform. So what am I going to do? You have I, to. That was Required. kind of like the the baby steps, the toe in the waters of Sin City. Like, I'm just going to put a toe in, see uh-huh. how it feels. But I still had never tasted alcohol, never smoked weed, never tried tobacco, any of that. Still didn't watch R-rated movies. I was still very Mormon. But the modesty thing, I just hated it. I hated it so much. I was going to school for fashion. Like, I'm not, I don't yeah. want to wear T-shirts under tank tops. It's so dumb. It's ridiculous. So, yeah, when I got called into the bishop's office and we had our whole, like, blowjob discussion, he was like, <laughs> I know that you work on Sundays, Shalice. And I was like, well, I have to. And he was like, well... Maybe it's time you rethink what you're you're doing for a living. I'm just like, you're telling me to get a new job. Do you know how much this pays? Like, yeah. it was a lottery ticket, that job. It was for, they held casting calls. You walked in with a yeah. headshot. You stripped uh-huh. to a bikini. They took your photo. It was like... It was like American Idol tryouts. You would get shuffled to the next person. If yeah. you got to the next round, you got shuffled. I was one of four girls who got hired out of hundreds. And he's telling me that I should change my job. And this is also considering the fact that I would rush out of there as fast as possible. I would count those tips and those receipts so fast so that I could get out of there. All the other food owners were like, this chick is <laughs> so dumb. Yes, I know. that. I know that now, guys. But I would race. I would speed in my car. This is so dangerous. I would speed as fast as I could while putting a dress on and taking my bikini off while driving to make it to the last hour of church. And I would take out my second ear piercing because two piercings weren't allowed. And I thought two were cute because it matched my bikini, one for each color. And so I would take it out, put it in the little cup holder of my car, run into church and be there for the last hour. Wow. And he still was like, you're not spiritual enough. Do better. <laughs> <laughs> I and, and that's just one of those. You can never be good enough in yeah. groups like this. It's just, it's not even possible. Um, yeah, my, uh, quick little story of my experience at, at club rehab. And I think it got popularized because it was on like a a TV show or something on TV. Yeah. 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 Um, but my only memory of club rehab, uh, because I went there, well, the first time that I went there, I was still using very heavily. Uh, so I don't remember a whole lot about it, but I do specifically remember one of my good buddies. We had, you know, one of the little cabanas or whatever at rehab Mm -hmm. hanging out, you know, doing our thing. And uh, he drank so much that he threw up in one of the towels. Um, yeah, then... I had to clean up those towels. Oh, I'm so sorry. I was a lifeguard before I was a food runner. It was oh. awful. <laughs> Wait, what yeah. year were you there? I wonder if we were there at the same time. Oh, boy. This would have been like probably 2012, <laughs> 2011, oh my 2012, gosh. maybe. Oh, was wait, no. I, l- no okay. I left 2011. I was like, <gasps> but I think I would have been working like the early part of 2011 before I did a study abroad. Like that would be crazy if our paths crossed. I saw some crazy stuff at at rehab. Oh yeah. I was probably one of the, I, uh, I was actually wearing a, uh, uh, a speedo, uh, for that particular visit. And I'm, I'm very heavily tattooed. And so, you know, I was just living my best life out there. You know, I love it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, My little Mormon eyes were just being christened with so many things at rehab. (laughs) I was like, Shocked. I didn't even know any of this existed. I was um, like, people are having sex in the pool. Mm-hmm. What? It was wild. I was one of those guys. Yeah, <laughs> that was me. 
and that water was so gross and dirty like ugh. oh just so thinking back cloudy. i'm just like oh gross yeah um, yeah it was disgusting so one of the things that that we kind of talked about offline yesterday Shalise, that i thought was so interesting had to do uh with joseph smith and like the early Mormon church, because there's this narrative that Mormons were heavily persecuted uh, when they when they first came into existence in like the 1830s, 1840s, right? And they got chased out of a mm -hmm. bunch of towns. Had they yeah. started in New York, went down to Missouri, <clears throat> ended up going to Illinois, and then ultimately settled in Utah, right? So there was this there was this whole you know them essentially having to run away from persecution. Uh, but you were actually sharing that that's kind of a mischaracterization of really what happened in the early days, right? Yeah, that's a skewed story. Yeah. Because the more I learn about actual history and not the, oh, poor us, we're Mormons mm -hmm. history, they were doing stuff to deserve all that. So I've heard stories of Joseph Smith and his team like sending out people to steal other people's cattle or literally uh ransack a house and current mormons watching this would be like that is not true well you can go look it up he has been in the courts multiple times joseph smith because of his scrying his treasure digging days where he would con people out of money and it's just so funny because when you learn about joseph smith before he started the church it makes total sense. Mm -hmm. So he had a rock and he would put it in a hat, sound familiar? And be like, this is where the buried treasure is. And he would take people out. These farmers would pay him to tell them where the treasure is. They would dig, 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 dig. And then they'd be like, we don't find anything. And he's like, well, that's because the guardian spirit took it further into the earth. And it's because one of you wasn't worthy enough. Who was it? And people would be like, and they would believe him and he would still get paid for not finding any treasure what? cut to cut to he goes hey guys guess what i know where some buried treasure is <laughs> this angel came and told me about these golden plates that are buried yeah. in the mountainside sound familiar and then he gets these mysterious plates takes a rock put it in a hat and looks in the hat and translates these plates which no one ever saw by the way and that's another thing a lot of people don't know especially mormons because they, again, they teach you a skewed version. Mm -hmm. They say there were witnesses to the right, Book of Mormon. Of them, right? They saw the Book of Mormon or the, the plates with their mm -hmm. spiritual eyes. No one actually oh. looked at them. They Got like it. all saw it in a vision. Mm -hmm. So no one even saw them. And then people, I remember this very distinctly because I was trying to convert someone in Portland. And we were at a pool and I was trying to be cool. And I was like, yeah, Book of Mormon, it's another testament of God. And they're like, wow, that's great. That sounds great. I'm like, right? It's just like another Bible. Don't you, you like the Bible? Don't you want another one? And they're uh -huh. like, okay. And so we told him the story and he trans this ancient record and Joseph Smith translated these records. And, and uh, now we have the Book of Mormon. And they're like, that's awesome. Where's the record now? And then I had to go, well, an angel took him back to heaven. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I kid you not, Davey. In that moment, I was like, shit, I lost him. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I think I don't I don't think we're going to get this one, y'all. So when people are like the plates were real, there's so many things wrong with this. And people have talked about it like the weight he wouldn't have been. He said they were solid gold. He would not have been able to carry them. Right. The amount that could have been actually etched would not. They would be enormous if it was 
physically etched in gold everything that he wrote down in the book like none of it makes sense but <laughs> but that's what happens when you're a mormon is no one talks about the logistics right. of things you just go oh cool story believe mm -hmm. it sure that's what they told me so anyway yeah he was up to a lot of stuff he um he even had a militia that would yes literally go and kill people for him yes. mm -hmm. um one of them porter rockwell long hair joseph smith told him never cut your hair there's a bible story about this samson samson yeah, uh -huh. yeah. Yep. don't cut your hair and you'll be protected he died but he killed a lot of people for joseph smith and i think he died by gunfire which is even more funny like he was not protected um but yeah he did a lot of crazy stuff and we all know about the underage wives he was yes one of the main stories and i remember this very clearly we went to salt lake and anyone can go to this um it's like a visitor center near the temple, the big, big castle looking one that everyone recognizes. You can go and watch a movie about Joseph Smith's life, which is very well done. The production value is great. They knew what they were doing. And one of the stories, I remember watching it when they took us there for Young Women's, was Joseph Smith getting dragged out of his home by a mob. They were yelling and screaming at him and persecuting him. And they tar him and put feathers on him. That was like a thing, tarring mm -hmm. and feathering. Yep. Awful. I'm in there like crying because of course I'm going to feel compassion towards this man. He's the prophet of my church. Right. And or to anyone, watching anyone do Go that, that you'd be like, yeah, it's awful. So <laughs> what they don't tell you about that story is the men who dragged him out to tar and feather him were there to castrate him because he was propositioning their little sister who was like 12 or not 12, I would say like 14 or 15. And she didn't want to marry him. And they were like, what, who is this guy trying to marry this young girl, my relative? They came with a doctor to literally castrate him. And they, as they were holding him down, the doctor was like, I can't do this. He chickened out. And so they just went with the tar and feathers. So, so that's that, yeah, I, I mean, right there. I mean, perfect example, right? The way that it is positioned is they were being persecuted for their religious beliefs. No, they were being yeah. persecuted or Joseph Smith was being persecuted because he was a creep. We would yeah. do the same thing to, you know, anyone else that was, you know, being Warren predatory. Jeffs, in prison. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Being predatory towards, um, you know, underage girls. Girls, uh, it's just yeah. Gross. So yeah of, yeah, of course he got chased out of town because he was, I mean, he was, he was a snake oil salesman. Yeah. Um, one of the other questions that I had for you, Shalisa, I'm not sure if you're, uh, you're familiar with this or not, but there's this movie that came out recently called the sound of freedom. Have you, have you heard about that movie? I've heard of it. Okay. I know what it's about. Okay. I know that there's quite a bit of ruckus around it uh -huh. and I have not seen it. Okay. And neither have I. Um, I actually kind of want to see it just because, you know, the, the mainstream media has been so vocal against it, which makes me want to go watch it. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, one of the things that I heard that the, the production company behind sound of freedom is also the same production company that's behind dry bar comedy, which is out of Provo, Utah, and it's all run by Mormons. Are you familiar with that production company? Interesting. At all? I'm not. And okay. that's 
whoa, that just adds a whole layer mm -hmm. to all of that. Well, no, because, I didn't know that. I mean, Mormons are are big in uh, the entertainment industry, uh, especially like family family type uh, movies, shows, you know, whatever, right? Yeah. Um, which the cult that I grew up in also huge on that, right? We had this, uh, this group called uh, focus on the family and they would produce these feature films for families. I, actually, I don't know if it was focus on the family that made the feature films for families, but there were these production companies that would produce, you know, various entertainment pieces that were safe for, you know, religious families. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I didn't know if you had any experience with, with that kind of stuff. Uh, while you were growing up in Utah, but all of that, you mentioned that you never watched any R-rated movies, um, and and I know that they are, you know, producing these entertainment pieces that are specifically targeting fundamental groups uh, like you and I both grew up in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and real quick before I answer that, Candace said that Porter Rockwell died of heart failure, so I stand corrected, but that's also oh. still really funny that he just died and. <laughs> Well, it was think, his own body that gave out. I think what we need to realize is that an angel took him. Um, and that's actually Obviously. what happened. Yeah. yeah it yeah, was yeah. Joseph Smith's spirit that came and took him up. <laughs> yeah, right, uh, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So as a kid, I wanted nothing more than to be on TV. I was just constantly begging my mom, put me on Disney Channel. I can do that. I can do that. And I lived two hours from Salt, lived two hours north of Salt Lake. So it was impossible. Like mm. my poor mom was like, ah, so she took me to Salt Lake at one point to a modeling agency or a talent agency. One of them was a total scam. They completely accepted me. John Robert Powers. They're like, wow, you really know what you're doing. I was like, I know. Right. <laughs> um, and then they wanted all our money. And my mom was like, yeah, I don't think we should do that. And so crush my dreams. But yeah, I was trying to get into the business for so long. And then we moved to Portland when I was 16. I was actually just accepted into a modeling agency. And they're like, but you're moving. I'm like, but now for six months, I didn't know. <laughs> I can do it, guys. Yeah, I can do yeah. it for six months. Uh -huh. I didn't know how it worked. So I never got into that whole thing. But I know that it's been up and coming for probably 10 years since I left Vegas and came to L.A., People talk about how the business is booming there and not only just Mormon films, but a lot of companies are going to Utah to film because sure. so many landscapes. I mean, you have the Red Rocks and then you have the Blue Mountains. There's so many options to film and there's just so much space. So I know that a lot is happening there, but I was never involved in those production companies. Yeah, there is a lot that's going, especially in Provo. Um Provo is like becoming kind of a, a hotbed for that kind of stuff. And, and like I said, they're, they're making these, uh, fundamental, I'm going to call it fundamental friendly entertainment pieces, uh, which is kind of interesting because they're using it, um, not only as a, as a money-making opportunity, right. Uh, but also as a propaganda tool. Uh, mm. and so I, I thought that was, that was kind of interesting as well. The, uh, the other thing that, um, I'm doing a lot of research on right now, and I know we're, we're just about out of time, Shalise. Uh, so if anyone has any last minute questions that you'd like to get in, please feel free to submit those in the chat. Uh, but the other thing that I've, I've been doing a lot of research on is the reform school industry in Utah um, and how that was run predominantly by Mormons, uh, the troubled mm. teen industry. There was a group called the Worldwide Association of Specialty Programs and Schools um, that, I mean, it's just heartbreaking, some of the stuff that went on at these facilities. Uh, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah. We're actually looking into that. We are going to have some people on, some women who were part of a reform school that was Baptist and the mm -hmm. horror stories of that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I would be interested to hear from people who have been to the reform schools in Utah because, I mean, you, it gets pretty culty. And I know it's a fine line when mm -hmm. you're talking about rehabilitating children, right. but still there's a lot of, control and coercion and manipulation and forced labor and things that shouldn't be happening. Yeah. So I think it's worth talking about at the very least. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I think there's a need obviously for strict rehabilitation programs for at-risk youths. Uh, I think we can all agree that that's an important thing. Um, but it's the way that, that, that people go about it. Um, yeah. I think yeah. Utah actually, because of what a big industry, it's called the troubled teens industry in Utah. And because it was such a big deal, they actually recently passed legislation. I think it was about a year ago, um, you, you know, providing a little more oversight on some of this stuff because it had become such a problem. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, we've already, we've already talked with, uh, a couple, couple women who, who went to those schools 10 years ago and 20 years ago, um, just about the different experiences they had. So we'll have to, we'll have to compare notes on that a little bit. Cause I know you'll be interested yeah. in it. Um, yeah, definitely. Well, Shalise, thank you so much again for your time. This has been such a fun conversation. I'm glad Always we were able time. to keep it a little more lighthearted for this one because that episode <laughs> was just, I mean, there were definitely some funny moments, but I mean, what you went through growing up in, in this Mormon culture uh, and the way that you're still, you know, deprogramming from it, um, you, you know, um, I just, it's so admirable and more so the platform that you've given to people to share their stories, uh, to give other Thank people you. hope. I mean, it's just, it's just so cool. So, so cool. Yeah. I know we were going to touch on how I'm doing now or like how things have gotten better. So I will just say doing great guys. Um, there is a way out. If you're watching this and you're feeling stuck and you're like, there is no hope for me. There absolutely is hope for you. You just have to keep going, keep pushing, do what feels right to you, follow your own gut, your intuition, and use your brain at the same time. Really allow that critical thinking to come back online. And like I was saying before, you just have to monitor your thoughts and, and think, is this mine or is this programmed? Is this what I believe or is this what I was told to believe? And all of that will lead you to yourself, to your happy place, to whatever it is that brings you peace and joy and whatever it is that makes you fulfilled. And also know that you don't have to have this big, greater purpose in life. You can just be, and that's okay too. To just be and enjoy yourself is beautiful. It's so beautiful. So I know sometimes religion can take away that grand purpose for our lives. And we feel like we have to fill that hole or fill that void. You don't have to, you can just enjoy life. So that, that is my gift to you is you don't have to find anything outside of yourself. Just find yourself. And that's enough. That's such an amazing statement um, that you don't have to have this huge, greater purpose uh, that, that's not required. Um, you know, living a pleasant life sometimes is the ultimate purpose for, for, for me anyway. Uh, I mean, that, that's kind of what I found, um, yeah. and doing what I enjoy. Um, so that's, I think that's so profound and, and people miss out on that because of the way that a lot of us were programmed growing up that our, our greatest purpose was bringing glory to God, right? That's yeah. what we're here to do. And, and it's, I don't think it really is that way. 
Yeah. And if you think about it, just being joyful is going to make you joyful to be around. And so you are changing people's lives. You can bring joy to other people's lives when you find the joy within yourself. So it's a really beautiful thing. It's put your mask on before you help other people. And also, I never thought I was going to be doing this podcast. I didn't leave Mormonism with this vendetta to be like, I'm going to take down the Mormon church. That was nowhere near my brain. And it kind of fell into my lap because I was being me and doing what I wanted to do. And it just kind of came to me. And here we are. And now maybe this is my purpose, or maybe it's just me taking a bad situation and making something good out of it. Either way, I think it's just important, like I said, to find yourself and then the right thing will find you. Yeah, absolutely. And be sure to check out uh, Shalice on Cults to Consciousness. Y'all, I said it yesterday, some of the most interesting, entertaining, and profound stuff you'll ever see. It's just Aww, so, so cool. Thank you. Check her out on YouTube. Follow her on Instagram. Um, you will not regret that. Also, check out my comedy special, The Cult Kid, right here on yeah. YouTube as well. Um, Shalise, thank you so much again. And um, I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. Thank you. It was so much fun. Thanks, y'all. We'll see you soon.